Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What Are You Talking About, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. With me, as always, is my older brother, Chris. We have some exciting news to tell you. Uh, you know, In two weeks, the March Madness tournament is happening, college basketball. Uh, we're excited to announce that we're going to roll out a bonus edition of What Are You Talking About just to cover the March Madness tournament. Uh, it gives us a way to to still cover the other world of sports, the other happenings uh, throughout the month of March while also covering what is arguably the most exciting time in the sporting calendar, and that's the March Madness Tournament. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, we'll keep you posted, uh, and we're going to roll out the first one next week. So keep an eye out for a bonus edition of What Are You Talking About next week. Yep, March March Madness starts March 15th, so the week of March 15th is when we'll have, uh, you know, two podcasts, the bonus edition, March Madness, in addition to the regular What Are You Talking About? So it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. It'll give us give us more, uh, give, give us a chance to get more content out to you guys and give us a chance to, to really give the tournament is due while also keeping an eye out on the happenings of, of football and MLB and basketball, which are all in full swing. Uh, yeah, man. But our first topic is strictly college basketball related. That's that the Kentucky Wildcats went 31 and zero to finish the regular season. It's a great achievement. And we're going to do the debate that everyone's been having this whole year. Are the Kentucky Wildcats, the team of destiny, are they going to go undefeated and win the tournament? I say yes. I, I I don't buy into the notion that losing is good for you. I don't buy into the notion that a team is due to lose. First off, I just want to say going 31-0 and in this day and age of college basketball with the depth of the field is one of the greatest accomplishments in its history, even without a national championship. I think it's extremely tough to do. Um... There, there's the argument. The argument that keeps coming up is that they haven't been tested yet, but that's not 100% true. They haven't lost a close game, but they've been in close games. Yeah. Uh, as recently as Georgia, they won 72-64, but that final score is not indicative of how close that game really was. At LSU, a two-point win. At Florida, the first matchup a uh, seven-point win, and again, not indicative of how close the game really was. Another eight-point win against Vanderbilt at home. They've been to overtime twice, a three-point win against Ole Miss, a double overtime win against Texas A&M, and an eight-point win against Louisville, which again was closer than the final score. Louisville very played, really played them tough. So in all of those instances, they were tested they just didn't lose. They overcame those tests. So they have been tested, even though they have destroyed their fair share of opponents. But that, to me, just makes them look more dominant. I think they're the deepest team in college basketball by far. It's not even close. And I think that they have so much talent in their starting five and then off the bench that it's going to be very hard to wear them down. The only thing I could see maybe happening is if a team gets hot from three, and just lights it up. I think that's the only way that they're going to lose. I, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to go 40 you know? We, when we said that we were going to discuss this, Kentucky going undefeated, I was going to say no, that they were going to lose at some point. But then I, I watched all the games that they played the last week against Georgia and Florida, and then I, I did my homework and, and researched them as best as I could. 
and this team is not losing. I, I just I cannot see them losing to anybody in the tournament. You said that you don't believe in the fact that the idea that you should lose a game early to learn how to lose and learn what that means and 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 gain some character from it. And I'm gonna argue that the disappointment of last year is is what has built the success of this year for Kentucky. Other than Julius Randle and and Young. Those guys were one and dones, but the Harrison twins are back, and the rest of that really good recruiting class is back, combined with the emergence of Willie Colley Stein, who's a junior, who that debunks the whole Kentucky one and done superstar myth. Uh, you know, they they're so talented and so deep, and now they have leadership and experience to go on top of those one and done guys. There, there's just no way they're gonna lose. I, I can't see it. Uh, they they're nine deep, and they all average around. 20 to 25 minutes I there's there's no way a team is gonna beat him the Carl Towns and Willie Colley Stein is just it's like Tim Duncan and uh David Robertson like they're so good down low and complement each other so well I no they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna get beat yeah talking about Willie Colley Stein here's a kid who I don't know how he's not getting more draft talk cuz uh I see I've seen him Kentucky play a few times just like I'm sure a lot of people have they're always on TV and uh that guy always jumps out at me I mean he is just uh a freak athlete who he's big I feel like he's everything you want in a guy who's going to defend the rim and uh I I have a feeling that after this tournament or as the draft gets closer, he's going to shoot up the board a little bit. At least I hope he does. I mean, he seems like a, a guy I'd want on an NBA team. Yeah. I, well, but, yeah, I mean, oh, what were you saying? I, I, I mean, I think he is already considered yeah. a top 10 pick. And if he has another good tournament, he, he, he turned some heads in last year's tournament. If he has another good one, yeah, he'll definitely – there's a chance that it could be like Okafer, Towns – Carly Stein in the first three picks and that would be pretty crazy you have these three centers all taken back to back to back like that but yeah he he is a a monster on the on the defensive end a, an athletic freak I think the best comparison is a DeAndre Jordan type no definitely I mean look I, I think when we're talking about Kentucky um and and them going 40 and 0 I think that there's one game that is probably going to happen, that would be a bit of a trap for them, and that's if they draw Florida in the SEC quarterfinals. Uh, Florida would have to beat Alabama to do it, um, but that's a big rivalry. And I think that you can't discount the rivalry factor in anything. Yeah, that's if true. We're looking ahead, if we're looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, uh, if Louisville faces Kentucky, there's that big chip-on-the-shoulder rivalry, but I don't think Louisville is equipped to beat Kentucky even though they played them tough at at home. I, I think that Louisville's still missing a little bit offensively to do it. The team that I would be most scared of if I'm Kentucky, and fortunately they probably won't have to play them until the final so a ton can happen, is Duke. Yeah. Duke is just as loaded as Kentucky as far as talent goes, uh, you know, but I think they shoot out the lights. They can get real hot from downtown, and they have a superstar in the middle who can definitely hold his own against uh, the post of Kentucky. So I, if they face Duke in the final A, I would love it. It would be a great matchup. 
history and coaching and talent, it would be the best possible final for yeah. me. But that's a long way from happening. I mean, if you're Kentucky, you got to like the odds of not seeing Duke in the final because there are a lot of other good teams that could knock them off. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to go 40-0. and Yeah, I think so too. And I don't think it's – you know, most people get jaded by the fact that you know, a team is so great that we already know that they're going to win. But I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Like you have this, it's like a star studded roster going up against the field. And that that's the, the theme of this year's tournament. Um, it's not an open level playing field. It's everybody versus Kentucky. And, and that'll be fun to watch. And the, there'll be some really good games and I'm sure Kentucky will be close because they, they're still relatively young and have a, tendency to play to the level of their competition but they're always able to just turn it on for a few seconds and realize that they're so more talented than the other team and just and, and carry it out but yeah i i don't see i don't see it happening i don't see anybody beating them and i think that happens with any team i mean you play 31 games there are going to be nights where you just don't have it where you're off for sure and where no matter especially in conference play most of these games i rattled off only two of them were at home the other five were on the road and four of those were on the road in conference louisville was on the road it's like a conference game it's your in-state diehard rival yeah so all of these games occurred in conference and most of them on the road it's natural you know you're not gonna blow everyone out of the water and as it builds teams start circling you bigger and bigger not that they weren't circling kentucky already to try to make their season off of it yeah so you know that's gonna happen but to me they faced these seven close games that i highlighted and they won them all that's even bigger for me yeah. that they were tested, but they overcame it. So that way, if they are tested in the tournament, and they probably will be tested, you know, you need a little bit of luck to win this thing. There's going to be a time where they're going to need to come up with a big play. They've been through that, and I think that they're going to be fine. Um, but again, I do. I, I, I am. I watched Duke UNC again uh, last week. And, uh, you know, Tyus Jones, Quinn Cook, Winslow, and Okafor is a pretty good four to that starting uh, five. You know, yeah. Duke's got the guards that can shoot and a post that can match up well. I think that would be a great matchup, and, and I think Duke's the one team that's really equipped to take on Kentucky. But, again, we're about a month away from that, and uh, a lot can happen. Uh, I. I Again, I just I if I'm Kentucky, I like the odds of not even seeing the Blue Devils, and and I think that they're going to do it. I think they're going to win it all. I think we're in agreement with this. This isn't much of a debate. We're kind of on the same page here. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you gotta you gotta tip your cap to them, even if you don't like Kentucky or John Calipari or whatnot. You know, the kids still came together and won 31 games. That's a heck of an accomplishment. Yeah, and I think the. I tried to touch on it earlier, just the fact that this is more than the typical awesome one and done recruiting class. They have experience and guys that have actually worked to get to where they are on the team. And I th- I think that that helps uh, some people get behind it and get excited about it, like myself. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and well, first off, I, I still... I wouldn't be happy if they won because I don't really like Kentucky and I'm not a fan of Calipari. But at the same time... Uh, it would be special to see a team go 41-0 and just as a sports fan. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point earlier, everyone always complains about the dominant team, 
but then everyone always tunes in to see if the dominant team is going to lose. So people are still going to watch. Oh, for I sure. think people are going to watch Kentucky even closer just to see if they're going to lose if you're, if you're on that side of the fence. So it's it's still going to be fun. I love the fact that they're 31-0. I hope they go into the tournament 34-0 because I want just to see. I, I want the chance of it to happen. And, and if they get knocked off, I hope they get knocked off in the NCAA tournament and not the SEC tournament. Yeah. I want them to be undefeated. I want them to try to chase that down. And I want the drama around that. Um, and I think it, it, it would make for a very exciting March Madness, even more so than it normally already always is. Yeah, it'll be fun. And we'll have more discussions like this again on our bonus edition That's we're going to roll out next week. So stay posted yeah. on that. We're going to change yeah. scenery now. Uh, a lot of things have been happening in the National Football League that we want to talk about. Free agency starts Tuesday, but teams are already making backdoor agreements with players and trades are being made. The biggest one and the one that kind of set off the, the tone of the year was the Philadelphia Eagles traded LaShawn McCoy for uh, the Buffalo Bills' Kiko Alonso. And it was kind of a head-scratcher for me. I'm interested in your thoughts. Very big head scratch for me. The the Bills also just signed McCoy to a I believe a five year extension worth about forty million. So yeah, I think twenty million uh, yeah, in they, guarantees. Yeah, so they're they're committed to him long term, and, and I, it was a big head scratcher for me because I don't under. First off, Kiko Alonso had an amazing rookie year. And he tore his ACL last season, so mm-hmm. he sat out his sophomore year. So there were some question marks around him. What I don't understand is why the Bills. If they wanted to deal this guy, who I think would, would have been very highly coveted by a lot of teams, for sure. Why, why did they target a running back? You look at the Buffalo Bills over the years between Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller. It doesn't seem to matter who they crank out at running back. They they seem to always have an explosive runner, and the name always changes. So why did they need LaShawn McCoy to fill that? What I didn't see as a need for them. If they were going to trade Alonzo, why not trade him and, and bolster something else? I mean, there are, there are other needs on the team, specifically at quarterback, who yeah. they also addressed with Matt Castle. I don't think he's the long-term answer there. Yeah. But um, I, I, it's a head-scratcher for me. I feel like Alonzo is the better long-term guy. I think that, that, A, he's on a rookie contract, so he fits well in your salary cap. And, B, he's an impact player on the defensive side and, and those are hard to find in this day and age of the NFL and, and running backs to me can be replaced uh, through the draft with pretty high frequency. Yeah, it's interesting because it's common knowledge now that running backs are so devalued yet you still see a team thinking that they're smarter than everyone else and selling high on, or buying high on a running back and I don't understand like what they think is different about LaShawn McCoy that wasn't different about, say, taking Trent Richardson with the number three overall pick, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, Kiko Alonso, the the Bills know best the health of that knee. And if right. there are some question marks about it, then that might turn out to be a good trade. But, you know, you, you, you do physicals and all that, so I don't, I don't see it being that big of an issue but if the bills know something that we don't know then they might be hosing the eagles i I doubt it but it could happen first i think in the in the immediate as in this year i think Lashawn mccoy still has a few good years left in him they're gonna get something out of mccoy i'm not saying they didn't get a bad player i think they're gonna get a guy who's gonna make a difference on that offense 
I just don't think they needed to go out and get him. I think they already had a strong running game. Why did you trade one of your best bargaining chips for a running back when you could have maybe added something else? Um, a lineman, something. I don't know. I, I don't know the Buffalo Bills intimately enough to, to know what their specific needs are. But I know they don't have a quarterback. Now, I'm not sure you're going to get a high-priced quarterback for Kiko Alonso, but... Yeah. You know, I, I just felt like they, they could have used their trade ship in a better way. For sure. It, yeah, it definitely doesn't make sense from the Bills' perspective. You know, you go back all the way to back to Willis McGahee and then Marshawn Lynch and then Fred Jackson and C.J. Spiller. The Bills are always buying high on these running backs, and it doesn't always yield well, the best results. Well, they didn't buy – I don't think they buy, bought high on any of those guys. I think they drafted most of those guys that you named. Yeah, with um, first-round picks, and they all ended up walking at some point. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, that just kind of reinforces my argument that you can draft these guys and, uh, you know, if you have a good line, if you have a good system, they, you know, they, they'll, they'll do well. That's true. So I just don't understand why they felt they needed to trade uh, uh, what I feel is a cornerstone of their team uh, for – of running back when they could have addressed that need in the draft for sure yeah yeah and, and especially when you look and see frank gore being the replacement in philadelphia yeah that was that was interesting i i don't know how i feel about it you you got older at the position that gets less and less productive the older you get uh definitely a, a cap saver in terms of, of moving up mccoy for gore but uh, we'll see if if Chip Kelly can can get some production out of Gore. It's a three year deal; two years are guaranteed. So Gore plus Darren Sproles—that's a good combination if they're both producing on a good level. I think that's a very good combination. I think Sproles is probably going to get more work in that system than Gore. Not that Gore can't catch passes out of the backfield because he's certainly a good pass catcher, but I think you're going to see the roles broke down a little bit slanted towards Sproles just because Chip Kelly likes the speedy guy who can catch a little more in his offense. Um, but certainly Gore's going to get his work. And, and I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a big-time cap saver. I mean, you, you go from having to pay LeSean McCoy mo- a big money to getting Frank Gore a very productive back in San Francisco and was a supremely elite back as short as, you know, three years ago. Yeah. Um, it's still very solid last year, and even though he wasn't at his elite self, he's getting older. But I think it's I think it's a good substitute. I, I like it. I like they get Alonzo to strengthen that defense, and they get Gore as a solid veteran. I, I like what the Eagles have done. I mean, they're, that's a 10-win team last year. They were very close to the playoffs. They, you know, made the playoffs two years ago. I, I think that, you know, the Eagles are definitely uh, keeping themselves in position. Yeah, it'll be interesting. This is Chip Kelly's first year of having full personnel control, and you already see him making really big, bold moves even before free agency officially starts. I mean, there's also the rumor that Byron Maxwell has already agreed to a $50 million deal to join them. And at the start of free agency, they could have added Kiko Alonso and Byron Maxwell. That's a a good improvement for a defense that struggled. This might be a a make or break year for Chip Kelly. If these moves pay off, uh, he's going to be looking really good. If they don't do so well, then there's no one else to blame but him. Yeah, I don't know... If it's make or break, I mean, the guys want 21 games in two years. I think that buys you a little time, even in the knee-jerk uh, 
reaction era we live in of uh, sports, but I would like to think that that he may get even more time, even if even if these moves don't necessarily pan out this year. Yeah, the but, more, but the more moves you make, the more eyes get drawn on you, and if it's a failure, right. I mean, remember the dream team from just four That's years true. ago? That was just That's a disaster, true. and that, that ruined a lot of careers in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean, you know, if, if they fall apart this year after making some bold moves, I mean, it could end badly. I, I don't necessarily think it will, but it certainly would put him um, on the hot seat next year. I, I think this year his job's pretty well secure unless he does something ridiculous. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know. Yeah, whenever you, like you, like you said, whenever you stake your, uh, stake your claim uh, with some big moves, uh, you're you're looking at you know some backlash if they don't work out for sure you want to stay in the afc east and go to the the next big news that actually happened today and dominican sue the prize of free agency has already agreed to a deal with the dolphins for 114 million dollars over five years that's going to make him the highest paid defensive player in the league what do you think about that well, I mean, you knew when J.J. Watt set the bar at a certain level, uh, Ndamukong Sue was going to try to break it. Uh, that's kind of how these things work. The highest paid uh, is a relative term. Uh, yeah. He's getting paid supreme money. And I, I honestly think, you know, I think his production warrants it. But at the same time, I'm always uneasy paying one guy that much money in the Absolutely. NFL. When you look at the models that work, the New England model, the Baltimore model, the Seattle model, though they haven't been cutthroat yet because their draft picks haven't gotten to the level, you're going to see that starting soon. But Baltimore and New England are business, business, business. You know, yeah. once you're cool until your payroll gets into that high altitude, then it's okay, bye bye. And they have been around forever. I mean, they've won multiple Super Bowls in the last 15, 16 years since 2000. I kind of like that model. The, hey, let all these guys go, load up on compensatory picks, address our needs to the draft, and keep the cycle going instead of making a big splash for Nadamican Sue or, or, or the next Nadamican Sue in yeah. free agency. You mentioned the Dream Team earlier. They tried to load up on all these guys. Namdi Asamoa bunch of other guys in free agency and it fell apart i mean again we're kind of cherry picking examples here i'm sure there are other examples of free agents that have worked and not but to me when you've got six combined super bowls with the patriots and the ravens doing what they do being shrewd about the cap and cutting guys and casting guys off maybe in their prime i'm going to tend to agree with that over you know, investing in one player. But talking about specifically Sue, I think him and Cameron Wake is a very scary defensive line that yeah. if I'm in the uh, AFC East, I don't want to see twice a year. Yeah, I mean, well, if Sue wanted to be part of the best defensive line, he should have just re-signed with the Lions because they had a very scary starting four defensive line. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about it because I think Sue is that type of player that commands that salary but like you said that's a ton of money and now you're restricting basically the rest of your moves for the entirety of this deal the Dolphins were 8-8 eight and eight, and Ryan Tannehill has shown growth every year if they can address some offensive skill positions in the draft uh, they, they could be a scary team because like I said when we previewed NFL free agency in last week's podcast 
uh, I said Indomitian Sioux, if you have a problem stopping the run, all you have to do is add Sioux, and that solves a lot of your run problems. So, uh, yeah, he addresses a lot of issues, but now you have to get smart and you have to get creative and you have to be really lucky in the draft to to bolster that talent. It's well, it's a risky and, and move, it, but uh, I think the Dolphins are going to reap the benefits at least in the next year. And, and don't forget, they also have Mike Wallace, who they paid big money to a few years back. They might yep. lose Brian Hartline, who's a solid possession receiver, um, though uh, Jarvis Landry did kind of emerge last year. Um, so, I mean, they do have needs elsewhere, but, I, you know, I, I agree. I think Ryan Tannehill is, is kind of an underrated quarterback from that Andrew Luck draft class, and rightfully so. Andrew Luck's been, and Russell Wilson have been tearing up the world. But... Um, you know, no. Last year preseason, I picked the Dolphins to to get the sixth wild card in the AFC. I, I thought that they um, were right on the cusp. Uh, they missed it, uh, you know, again by a very slim margin. Um, and you add Nadamikin Sue in there, and certainly, I mean, yeah, it could take him over the top uh, this year. But when you look at the long-term viability of committing these big contracts to these players, eventually the cap will catch you, and now, it'll be interesting to see what happens beyond 2015 if they can be a viable player um, for the long term. Yeah. Sue also benefits from the state income tax or lack thereof in Miami. So his deal is really maximized down there. And it became clear that he was chasing the money. So that also concerns me when a guy is just all about the money. And it, it's, you know, when you're in $100 million, the difference between $114 million and $108 million is. Is it, is it that big a deal <laughs> opposed to winning a Super Bowl? But, hey, good for him. He got a sweet deal. I mean, I would take it too. And and you also got to worry, and, and I'm not trying to question Ndamukong Sue's work ethic here because I don't know him, but at the same time, you see it all the time. These guys sign these huge contracts, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe lose a little edge because they've got the big payday. So that'll be interesting too to see if his production drops after signing the big payday that's always the big question after a guy gets a mammoth contract is is he going to work harder or has he you know is he had his fill and he's done you know it's it's a question that i can't answer um but we'll see how it plays out yeah it's definitely part Um, of the risk but sticking in this afc east free agency edition um the jets making a move uh trading a fifth round pick for brandon marshall or at least that's what it was reported as, a fifth-round pick. Uh, what do you think of that one? That, that to me, is another kind of head-scratcher. Yeah, well, Brandon Marshall is still in his prime. And he had, he dealt with some injuries, and Jake Cutler dealt with some issues just being a good quarterback last year. But <laughs> you know, Brandon Marshall right. still showed those flashes of, of being an all-pro wide receiver. A fifth round yep. pick for Brandon Marshall. I have to think that that's a steal. I I can't Im- can't imagine you're getting anybody in the fifth round this year that's gonna come close to the to the skill and talent of Brandon Marshall. That 
now the issue is who's going to throw him the ball. But <laughs> that's what I was getting at with the head scratcher part. Is you've got Brandon Marshall, you've got Eric Decker, and on paper that looks like a really good combo. But they could be the best wide receiver core not to combine for 1,500 yards because I don't know who's going to throw them the ball. Um, you know, I think a wide receiver is only as good as his quarterback at some yeah. points. But but I certainly think Brandon Marshall is an excellent player. Um, he's been one of my all underrated wide receivers until he got to the Bears. Uh, you know, he kind of got lost there in Miami for a bit, yeah, which was sure. great for my fantasy team because I could sneak him on the on on the cheap. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, I definitely think Marshall is is a high production guy. He should bring you know something to a passing attack that really wasn't that good the last couple of years, yeah. and that's being nice. Um, and, and then he moves Eric Decker over to the number two position, which I think is a more natural fit for him. We saw him chase the contract last year and kind of uh, was in over his head as their number one guy. So I think that's a nice combo they got there. And if they can get a quarterback who is uh, serviceable, I think they'll, they'll they'll make some strides. So the AFC East goes from you know three teams that are always getting beat up by New England to three teams that are kind of interesting now. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see if, if these moves pay off and, and they can chase the big bully down because New England has uh, owned them for the last uh, 15 years, to say the least. I think only twice in that span they've failed to win the division. For well, sure. If so. the Jets uh, are sitting at the sixth pick overall, if they land Marcus Mariota, with Marshall and Decker and a retooled backfield, that's that's a really good offense just overnight. And you also got rid of Rex Ryan, so that you have a better <laughs> yeah, offense yeah. in mind too. I, I think I think that helps your offense right there. Um, but it, which is another reason why the LaShawn McCoy trade is a bit surprising to me because Rex Ryan trading defense for offense doesn't really fit his mold historically. Um, yeah. But. But yeah, no, I, I, it'll be interesting to see if Mariota falls that far. I, I, I think if he slides towards three, four, five, you might see a trade. But hey, we'll we'll get to the draft in due time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and speaking of, uh, you know, we talked about the Florida sun and uh, low taxes and all that fun <laughs> stuff. Another guy taking advantage of that would be Julius Thomas to Jacksonville. Um, See, my, my segue would have been who's going to throw him the ball as well. Who's going to throw him the ball too? I mean, you know, I yeah, I mean, I, I do think Blake Bortles, Bortles had a good rookie year considering uh, the circumstances. But again, I mean, it certainly will help his development having a big target like uh, Julius Thomas to throw the ball to. And and you know, you picked Ndamukong Suh, and I picked Julius Thomas when we talked about NFL free agency in our last podcast. Um, and now neither of them are going to really hit the market for very long. And it seems yeah. like they're going to be gone before free agency even starts. <laughs> Blake Bortles is good. He, he's shown the signs that he could be really good, but you just walked away from Peyton Manning, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know, I know Peyton is, is regressing, but you're never going to be as good as you were playing with him. It, he just, he makes the catchers better. And now I mean, he has he has all the skills to be a great pass catching tight end, but uh, you're not playing with Peyton Manning anymore. You're playing with a sophomore quarterback who has no experience of success. So, good luck. I hope right. you got paid because it's gonna be it's gonna be a journey. 
Right, he certainly, I, I mean, I certainly would think he got paid, um, and I think that's what he was looking to do. It was kind of clear the Broncos knew that they were going to invest in the other Thomas as opposed to Julius Thomas, and I think rightfully so. I think For the sure. brings a little bit more, but I, I don't necessarily think that he's in a, um, well, first off, Anytime you go from Denver to Jacksonville, yeah, you're taking a big step down. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, right off the bat. I mean, you're going from Peyton Manning to Blake Boyles, as you said. It's all legitimate. But the thing is, though, I am in, I am sort of intrigued because it's not like the Jets where I have no idea who their quarterback is. Blake Bortles kind of won that job last year and shown flashes. Yeah. And if he can take another step forward this next year, especially having a more reliable target because, I mean, they're passing, you know, I, I think after Blake Bortles, their passing attack was kind of a um, rotating carousel of, of a bunch of guys. So Yeah, they had Julius a couple of Thomas, rookies that, that played well, but, yeah, they, nobody that really inspired. Yeah. And, and so with Thomas, could be a veteran, could be a guy to take some pressure off of them, a great red zone target. It could turn, it could start, it could start to turn. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to break out and fully turn around, but it could start to turn. I, I could see, you know, maybe that playing out in the next couple of years. Again, any time a team makes the move, makes a move in free agency or the draft, you, you got to kind of see how it's going to play out. I mean, we can speculate like sure. we have been, but you know, it'll it's going to be interesting. Uh that that one actually it, it's I don't know. I, I half of me kind of likes it, but half of me is like why are you going to Jacksonville? But Blake Bortles is kind of that intriguing sort of uh question mark whether or not he'll turn into the quarterback uh he was projected to be being drafted third overall. Yeah, it definitely helps. I think it was a good move for Jacksonville. I mean, giving your young quarterback a great target and a great talent, like that that's what you want. You, now right. the the onus is on Bortles to prove that he's worth it. Um, right. You know, Thomas, <laughs> the, the rumors were that he had a decision between the Raiders and Jacksonville. I don't know if, like, that's – good like, like you're choosing between <laughs> oakland and jacksonville as your two options that's not uh good for your career when those are the two top suitors for you uh, follow the money man yeah if you got sure. a question about the circumstances just follow the money I, hey, I can't blame a guy for getting paid you throw that much money my way i'm probably going to oakland or jacksonville too for sure and jokes oakland still has Derek carr who also showed some signs they could be the two best quarterbacks from that last draft well teddy bridgewater too i don't want to overlook him he was fine but uh of course the browns don't draft any of those three no of course not yeah both both of uh, oakland and jacksonville might finally start crawling out of the bottom but we will see we said that many times before with a lot of teams being bronze fans we say that every year yeah absolutely <laughs> so um, let's get to some quick ones marshawn lynch announced that he's resounding with the seahawks for two more years i am so relieved and happy about that that's smart for seattle um he's you know we talked about running backs being replaceable he might be the exception to that rule when you watch him play for seattle every time he goes on one of his beast mode tears it just fires up the whole team you can see it especially in that green bay game in that second half in the nfc title game when he started running well you could just see the team start picking up steam so Definitely a good move to the Seahawks, and and I think a good move for him too. I don't think he would have fit in. Uh, 
I mean, he would have probably played well anywhere else, but but I think that that's a good fit for him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely the heart and soul of the team, and I, I agree with you. The way he plays the game and the way he fits in with that team, it transcends the value of the running back position. So I'm I'm really happy that he's there because it's one of the best things to watch in all of football. Another resigning mm-hmm. was uh, Randall Cobb with the Packers. I think four years, $40 million. Is that right? Yeah, four years, $40 million. And I actually was uh, worried that he may uh, wind up on the free agent market. It didn't. It looked like for a second there Green Bay might see him as a replaceable asset. I think that that's, that was wise on Green Bay's part to keep that core of Nelson and Cobb together for Aaron Rodgers and, and, and because they were deathly close from getting to the Super Bowl and potentially winning the Super Bowl because they beat the Patriots in the regular season. So, you know, to keep that core together for another run, uh, is certainly a wise move. Uh, we've talked before about when you're in a championship position, you don't get tight with the wallet. You, you go all in. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it was a it was a relatively affordable contract. It's not a mega yeah. deal. Um, the only the only thing that I kind of was intrigued at was what if the Eagles, with all their cap money, made a run at Cobb, who's a guy that oh, can man. line up anywhere in the field. Oh, I, I would have liked to have seen that, but I'm glad that the Packers and that dynamite offense is staying intact. Yeah. But man, Cobb is perfect for Chip Kelly's offense. Too, oh, absolutely. Or, or well, or even New England because they did that that little trick with Wes Welker too, lining him up in the backfield. But I don't think he would have gone there uh, because just cap situations, they wouldn't have paid him the big contract he was looking for. But speaking of a guy who's not getting as big of a contract as he would have been, uh, your boy Peyton Manning, he's coming back. I think everyone can breathe a sigh of relief, especially people in Denver. Yeah. Uh, for about $4 million less at $15 million. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, it's it's good. I mean, why Peyton could have taken less? Like if he's coming back, I, I, I just, he's coming back for the sole reason of legacy and proving everybody wrong. Why not give the team more cap money to spend right now? Right. Uh, you got enough Papa John's commercials right now to pay the bills, and you've made so much more money than just about any other football player through endorsements and contracts uh yeah i mean it's it's good good for the broncos that they were able to get a little more cap room and and make another run i read that peyton was kind of irked by it by the fact that they asked him to take a cut and that seems strange to me given the circumstances given the stance in his career he's still making 15 million yeah the thing about peyton manning though and is i'm not trying to 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 talk bad about him or anything, but he he has you know he, he's a group, you know great teammate all that stuff. I'm not not but when he was in free agency, it was pretty clear you know he was not going to take less money. I mean he's yeah. always been a guy, and when I'm not blaming him for doing this, of course I'm certainly not you know capitalize on your on your career, go for it. But he's not he hasn't been the guy to you know leave money on the table. He wants to get paid, and I also think. You know, you, you also got to factor in um, the union here because the union does not like to see their stars take pay cuts. And That's I think true. that they probably arrived at a number that was acceptable to give his team flexibility, but not so low to lower any sort of like, because the franchise tag is dictated by the five highest salaries at the position, things like that. There are other factors at play and not just Peyton Manning. And so I don't think the union wants to see a guy like Peyton Manning dip much farther below that 15 million range because of the ramifications you could have in the workforce and i'm sure you know there's 
maybe not directly, but I'm sure that there is some, um, you know, other factors at play there. So you can't just, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you know, say that he could have taken more or less, but it is good that he's going to come back for one more run, or at least what I assume is going to be one more run. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm giving people some advice, here it is, and I don't think this is uh, anything revolutionary, but if you if you haven't seen Peyton Manning play and you really want to see him play, you might want to watch him this year. Spring <laughs> for that Sunday ticket package and get a good look at him this year because I, I think anything after 2015 is going to be a cherry on top because after what happened last year, I he's living on borrowed time. For sure. I'm I'm glad he's yeah. coming back because he still was relatively the same player that he was for his right. whole career last year. So he still he still is so smart that the physical uh handicaps that he has now, he can overcome them and and with the now that the Broncos know that, they can build around it. Uh it'll be cool. It'll be good. This will hey, be hey. like the the farewell tour and I'm excited for it. And they already started building around it because I thought Gary Kubiak was a great hire. He's good. He he and that zone blocking scheme for the running attack is sure. is is excellent. And and I think they need to really run the ball. You know, C.J. Anderson did that a lot in the second half of last year because Peyton Manning was nursing some injuries. They're going to have to change the makeup their of their team a little bit uh, because of you know Peyton Manning's. You know, he's starting to break down. He got dinged up more last year than he ever did before. Mm-hmm. And it took a toll on him into December and January. If you watch that playoff game against the Colts, he was not the Peyton Manning no. that we have come to know and love. So hopefully that doesn't happen again and he can go out with one last run and, and maybe we get another epic Brady-Manning duel to sort of ride off into the sunset over. But some hard cuts, though, man. Uh, you know, Vince Wilfork and Reggie Wayne, two guys who have always played with the same team, you know, Reggie Wayne with the Colts, Vince Wilfork with the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, it's it's always sad to see those guys get cut. Yeah, it's sad, and I'm glad that both of them went out with their heads held high. I mean, Vince Wilfork went out with a Super Bowl ring, so he's pretty happy, and Reggie Wayne, most people thought that he was done in Indianapolis when Peyton left, but he stood by and really had a great year the first year with Andrew Luck and uh yeah they they both had great careers and it's it's an end of an era and you know those two guys are synonymous with the Manning and Brady era and the fact that you know not a few not a whole lot of guys are are left on that Colts team from Peyton Manning's years and it it's the end of an era in all of football when those guys are getting so old I think Will Fork is the last holdover other than Brady from their old dynasty. Yeah. I, I think Will Fork is their last holdover from that uh the the original three Super Bowls. I think it's now just Brady. Could be wrong on that, but uh pretty confident Will Fork was the last holdover and uh and Will Fork didn't win all three of them. I think he just won the, the last one because he was drafted in uh in oh four. So he would have been on the 05 Super Bowl, the 0405 Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. but I think he only won. I think he only has two rings. So, but yeah, it's sad. I mean, and, and Reggie Wayne is always. I, I've liked Reggie Wayne. Uh, yeah, you know, he's both of them. It, it's just sad to see their era come to an end. Uh, but hey, it's it's the cold side of the NFL. We talked about the Patriots earlier. Though Will Fork isn't necessarily in his prime. I, I no. think yeah. he's had a nice long career. 
for sure. A lot to talk about in the NFL, and free agency hasn't even officially started. I know. It's going to get crazy on Tuesday. I think I think there's going to be some more more moves. I mean, most of the big chips are off the table, but, you know, I think the Patriots are going to be a team to watch to see if, uh, you know, they can bring back McCourty and Revis. And mm-hmm. there are going to be some other storylines developing uh, as the as the gates officially open. For sure. But, uh, but yeah, just, uh, you know, we covered a lot of ground this week and uh, hope you guys can uh, come back next week and listen to our podcast. And don't forget, Next week starts our bonus edition NCAA tournament. So week of March 15th, we will have two podcasts. The second one focusing on March Madness. And uh, that will uh, continue throughout the NCAA tournament for March Madness. So we can uh, keep up on the world of sports, but also talk about uh, college basketball. Because uh, once Selection Sunday hits, it's awesome, insane, great three yeah. weeks. Some of the Three of the best weeks in all of sports. So yeah, it'll awesome. be great. And, uh, yeah, thank you for continuing to support uh, What Are You Talking About? Uh, check out FenleyRoadSports.com. Follow us on Twitter, FenleyRDSports. And uh, come back again uh, for our next podcast. All right, I'll see you later, Chris. All right, man. Take it easy.